Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Influence with Michelle Martin on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. Taking a closer look at Forrester's new Prepare Your Organization for a Pandemic Report. We certainly hope things don't get worse, but in the event that COVID-19 escalates and things do get worse, what can businesses do for continuity? Stephanie Belarus is Vice President and Group Director of Security and Risk Research, Infrastructure and Operations Research over at Forrester. Good morning, Stephanie. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So in the report, you mentioned planning for a pandemic involves a three-step process. Can you take us through each of these steps and with some brief takeaways for companies? I guess just to start off, step one would be really having a good understanding of all of the dependencies in your business, What what's often referred to as a business impact analysis and business continuity. So this would be identifying your most critical business processes and operations Understanding all of the downward dependencies, people, resources, IT systems, and also the criticality of the business, you know, how much revenue it generates. Is it customer facing? Is it regulated? That'll help you determine which processes absolutely have to stay running and which ones could potentially be deferred or could be run at a, you know, a reduced performance. Once you do that, that helps you plan for for the future, understanding what your dependencies are and then the risk to those dependencies. And then you can start coming up with secondary options for, for those most important processes. All right. So the report talks about identifying an executive sponsor, building a pandemic team, conducting business impact analysts and updating or developing a pandemic response, including employee cross-training and outsourcing. Now, when it comes to putting into place some of these concrete steps, how difficult is it for companies to do so? What are some of the real restrictions they face? I think in terms of identifying the executive, hopefully that's not too difficult. I think the higher up in the organization that any kind of communication and sponsorship comes from, the better. It should be a C-level executive. I think particularly in pandemics, HR plays an outsized role. Unlike other business disruption events, extreme weather, cybersecurity events, the pandemic has an outsized influence on people. Mm. So HR should take a major role here. Mm. But I think, again, any C-level executive, even as high as the CEO, but certainly the head of HR should, should be important. I think the other challenge, and actually that's important here, when we you know, ask business continuity professionals and risk management professionals to look back at prior disruptions and to identify what the biggest problems were, a lot of them will say that lack of executive influence was a major problem. You know, without that sponsorship, sometimes the business continuity team doesn't have enough influence and authority across the organization to institute certain policies, certain backup plans. You know, some of the things you mentioned around instituting, you know, additional workforce continuity plans that could be, you know, the secondary options for hiring individuals, outsourcing, things of that nature. The other things our lessons learned are communication. People drastically underestimate how difficult it is to communicate effectively under the duress of a very of a very stressful situation. And then there's just a lack of testing, a lot of lack of testing of, of plans. So when the actual event unfolds, people don't understand their roles or responsibilities, exactly where they should be going for information. 
So th- those are some of the three biggest issues that I've seen in the past. In terms of preparedness, what's your assessment in terms of whether or not most companies are positioned for the unpredictable? I spoke recently here in Singapore with the Restaurants Association of Singapore and about 60% of their over 400 members said they were simply not prepared for things to, unf- to have unfolded to where we are right now. But in terms of the you know pandemic level or epidemic level, how prepared do you think most companies are? I'm not surprised at that 60% saying that they're unprepared. I would say it's even higher. The challenge is, even though we've had a few outbreaks, you know, over the past like decade, if you look at SARS, we've had Ebola, they, they actually haven't reached pandemic status. They've been considered epidemics or they've been considered regional outbreaks. The last true pandemic that we had was the H1N1 virus in 2009, mm-hmm. also known as swine flu. Prior to swine flu, it had been 40 years since the you know, the international community had seen a true pandemic. Mm -hmm. So organizations don't have a lot of muscle memory when it comes to preparing for pandemics. Uh, The other thing I've seen, as I mentioned before, there's an extreme lack of testing. Most organizations only test their business continuity plans once a year, um, if that. And when they do test their plans, they're going to to choose a more common scenario. So they're, they're going to choose the IT disruption. They're going to choose extreme weather event. They're going to choose the cyber attack. So not only are they not testing their plans, but on the rare occasion that they do test their plans, they're not testing the pandemic scenario. Indeed. Given that climate change is seen as a threat multiplier, what kind of preparation can companies do now? So I would say that first step is to make pandemic one of your top five risk scenarios. Mm. Because uh, I don't think it's going to be 10 years between pandemics, like we saw between H1N1 and you know, COVID-19 isn't officially pandemic as of right now, but, you know, unfortunately, I do expect it to reach pandemic status. So it, it won't be 10 years between pandemics. I think it's going to be a lot shorter. And, and I think there'll still be serious regional outbreaks. I think there'll be even epidemics. So maybe not pandemics, but we're going to see a lot more frequent epidemics. So I think we get a top five scenario. The other thing I would tell people is that it has to be a dedicated business continuity plan. You can't use a generic plan mm-hmm. for a pandemic. You have to have a specific plan. And then I would say make it part of your testing rotation, test it on a frequent, on a frequent basis. Indeed. You touched briefly on risk communication and the difficulty of communicating when things speed up, you know, urgently a crisis comes our way. During times of uncertainty, are there key considerations you think companies should keep at the forefront of mind when it comes to employee communication? Definitely. I think particularly around pandemics, I've noticed there's a hesitation to initially communicate. There's a fear that, you know, we we might actually incite panic and we don't want to panic people. And particularly with pandemics, because, you know, we're, we're not medical professionals, We don't feel as confident making predictions or sometimes we question our own risk assessments. I I would say err on the side of frequent communication because if in the the absence of of frequent communication, employees will actually be more panicked. They're also likely to turn to sources that aren't reliable. So you have to communicate frequently and you have to communicate before things reach a a true pandemic status throughout the pandemic and and the outbreak and then afterwards as well. Also, with communication, you have to be able to communicate at scale. So if you're a large enterprise, maybe you're a multinational, maybe you have tens of thousands of employees, you're not going to be able to rely on manual procedures. So you should have a technology that's able to send out messages at scale and that actually give you assured message delivery that the message was communicated. 
So you should invest in technology for mass communication. The other thing is that the messages should be tailored by employee audience. So you'll have different types of employees based on, you know, whether they're individuals, managers, director levels, and also potentially by line of business, you know, whether they're frontline employees or office employees, the messages should be tailored because they'll have different considerations and specific messages that you want to send those individuals. Indeed. Thanks for joining us, Stephanie Belarus and Influence there. She's Vice President and Group Director of Security and Risk Research, Infrastructure and Operations Research at Forrester. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.